following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Hello. Mm. Now I know there's uh, today a special day, um, more special than others. Um, and uh, mm, some snarky people on the internet say that uh, church should be as exciting as the Super Bowl. So when your pastor make a good point, dump Gatorade or over his head. <laughs> snarky. Yeah, I must have got tagged in that 500 times this week. And uh, I have a motto that goes with that. Uh, if you want to stay clean and dry, go with Ephesians 5. That's where we are today. Um, and uh, I say that uh, because <laughs> this isn't one of those stand up and cheer kind of texts, I don't believe. Um, every time I sit down to write a sermon, which is quite often, um, I ask the Lord, I start to ask the Lord just a simple question. What do you want to say to your people? That's simple, right? But if I don't ask that question, it's what do I want to say to your people, and who cares about that? Uh, but the answer from the Lord is always the same. It's not like I hear him speak to me, but I know it, that it's true. The answer is I've already said it. It's in the text. That's what matters. He already has said what he wants to say to, our, to us, his people, in the Bible. And so the real question I should ask is, how do you want me to frame what you've already said? How do we talk about it? Uh, and this is the challenge of preaching, I think. Um, and uh, I have to admit that most often my heart's desire is to soften the blow. Uh, and occasionally it's to tighten the screws, but that's rare. Um, in truth, what I want most is for us as a family to enjoy the blessings of following the whole counsel of God's Word. Meaning, if God's Word tells us to do it, we do it. And if He tells us not to do it, we don't. Now, um, that brings us to Ephesians 5. And we've been talking about submission. We started talking about that last week. And submission is one of those topics where I wish to tread lightly for fear of upsetting people in my flesh. But God's Word is quite clear. So in truth, if I frame it accurately, God's Word will speak for itself. We'll all benefit. Uh, and uh, nobody throw Gatorade or rotten fruit at me. We all benefit if, in fact, we follow God's instructions as He's given them. So let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump right into this text. Father, we are looking forward to hearing from you this morning, from your word. We know that the message you have for us is already right there, and the challenge for us is to apply it. So I pray, Lord, that in this time that you'd soften our hearts to hear your message and by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd change us, transform us by the renewing of our minds 
if there's areas we haven't considered before, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd bring them to our minds now that uh, we can learn from you um, as was your design in giving us the scripture. So we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak now. Uh, never mind me. I just pray that you would speak to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So we beg in Ephesians chapter 5 today. We're going to look at verses 22 to 33. That's page 978. Somebody getting a phone call or text? Listen. In the signal here. My battery's still good. It's you? Oh, well, knock it off. We got things to do here. <laughs> so last week we looked at uh, verse 21 of chapter 5. Uh, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. A super long text. And this is the theme of the rest of the chapter, um, of chapter 5, and into the next of Ephesians. Submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. Like we talked about last week, we, the church, God's people, are to be in submission to one another, preferring one another above ourselves, serving each other in love. Now, that's everybody. A broad brushstroke. And though we are all to be in submission to one another in this way, Paul focuses on three different types of relationship within the church that have closer bonds to each other uh, and so bear closer examination and instruction. And that's the relationship between a husband and wife, parents and children, and masters and servants. These are uh, three different yokes that believers have. Every one of us, um, m though we may not be married, we all have parents, and some of us are parents. Um, all of us are uh, servants. Um, most of us have jobs, and so there are these different yokes that apply to each of us. And this week, we're going to look at the yoke of marriage. Um, the, the relationship between husbands and wives in Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. Now, if you're not married, don't worry. There is instruction here for you, so don't tune out. If you are married, there is instruction here for you, so don't tune out. I think that covers everyone. Verse 22. Wives, Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, 
and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and see that the wife, uh, let the wife see that she respects her husband. Uh, now, again, I recognize not everyone here is your wife or a husband. Um, you are all, if you're not a husband or a wife, you are a potential husband or a wife. Um, and uh, um, like I said, even if the Lord never calls you to the yoke of marriage, there are still lessons to learn about submitting to the Lord of the church. And I believe that we are all... Uh, faced with a great challenge in this passage. Um, Paul addressed this problem in Romans 7 um, when, uh, when he said in verse 18, 19, for uh, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to carry out what is right, um, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. And that's what kind of bristles in us when we read these passages that are difficult for us. Say, wife, submit to your husband. Is that dope? Why would we submit to him? You know? And then the husband gets off easy. All he's got to do is love his wife. And i got to cook and clean and all this mess. Well, there's not in there, in case you're wondering. It's nothing about cook or clean or anything in there. The challenge that we are faced with is the challenge of matching our behavior with our beliefs. And in order to do that, number one, you have to know what you believe. You hear the story about the kid that goes off to college and is faced with the, uh, I don't remember what it was, some kind of philosophical discussion or theological discussion that comes up in, in uh, college all the time because college professors like nothing more than to rip apart a Christian's faith. And the, the kid was stumped, so he called his youth pastor and says, Hey, what do I believe about this? Well, that's an excellent question. What do you ask me for? What do you believe about that? So our faith needs to be our own, number one. Um, our faith needs to our beliefs. You have to know what you believe and grab onto them and hold onto them and base them on the Word of God, and then you won't go wrong. Now, if our belief is that God's Word is living and active in our instruction for living, then we face the challenge of submission and service out of reverence for Christ. Look at verse 22. This is where I fear I, m I lose half the people. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself a savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. I've often explained these relational principles uh, with the picture of a series of umbrellas. You know, um, umbrella, right? You got a great big one, and under that is another smaller one, and under that is another smaller one. And the first umbrella, the big umbrella, represents the Lord. This represents Christ. He is our ultimate authority, and we are in submission to Him. Well, that's what we are called to do to be in submission to Christ. First and foremost, our relationship with Christ is primary. It is the most important relationship that we have. And that fact tempers or should temper our wants and desires. That is the definition of reverence for Christ. 
Does the Lord Jesus Christ have any effect on your wants and desires? Does he have any effect on your decisions? You don't have to be a married person, right, to understand this. We are to be in submission to Christ first of all. You want to do what Christ wants? Is here in his word, right? And when we step out from underneath that umbrella, that's what we call sin, right? He is our covering. He is our authority. He is our protector. He is our provider. And when we uh, sin, is we step out under, from underneath that umbrella. It's not a safe place to be, especially when it's raining fire and brimstone out there, right? Stay underneath the umbrella of Christ. It's important for us to remember that no matter what relationship we have, whether it's with our spouse or friend or brother or sister in Christ or co-worker or stranger, Christ is the third person in every relationship. You don't have a relationship with just me because Christ is there too. Does that make sense? Every relationship we have, Christ is the third person in that relationship. So as we deal with these different relationships in 5 and 6, we have to remember that fact, that Christ is in the middle of it, and he is the umbrella over it, right? So we can't forget that. When Paul said in verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the, to the Lord, he is effectively giving us a gauge of a wife's submission to Christ. When we obey Scripture... We are living in submission to Christ. When we disobey, right, we are not living in submission to Christ. We're stepping out underneath, from underneath the umbrella. So our uh, obedience to the instruction gauges our submission to Christ. Do you want to be submitted to Christ? I hope so. You don't have to answer out loud. I know this is, uh, can be difficult. But if you want to be in submission to Christ, you need to be in submission to his word. Now, it's clear that a husband in a marriage relationship does not have the same authority as Christ does. But he does have a similar role. And that role is headship. Christ ahead of the church, right? Husband is ahead of the wife, just a Christ ahead of the church. All right? That's, that's the role that uh, the husband plays and that's the second umbrella the big umbrella is Christ the second umbrella is the husband and the umbrella of the husband again underneath the umbrella of Christ his role and authority is defined by guess who himself no a, a couple of shaking heads no it's defined by Christ himself right not this is the kind of husband uh, uh, my dad was, and so it's the kind of husband I'm going to be. No, that's not how we define being a biblical husband. It's defined by Christ. We step out from underneath that umbrella. We're in a fire and brimstone again. That's not where we want to be. The role of the husband, the authority of the husband is defined by Christ. And, and the husband, as part of the church, is in submission to Christ. That means any authority or responsibility comes from the Lord Jesus. So it must not be exercised in a selfish or demeaning way, only in a way that reflects the love of Christ. Right? You can't say, well, here are the rules that Christ laid down, woman, 
and this is how it's going to be. Well, that's not how Jesus acts. That's not how Jesus treats us. And so we don't treat each other that way either. We must exercise the role or authority that we've been given as husbands in a way that reflects the love of Christ. Again, there's still no cookie or cleaning here mentioned. Is it implied? <laughs> uh, no, it's not. It's not at all. <laughs> That's a different translation. It's a paraphrase. Maybe you're reading. All right? Not in Scripture. The relationship of husband and wife is to mirror the relationship of Christ and the church. This is important to remember. Because when you think about your own relationship with your spouse, if, you're, if you have one, uh, does it reflect the relationship between Christ and the church? Uh, I think that's important to remember as we think about every relationship that we have. Am I reflecting the way of Christ here? Am I reflecting the way the church is supposed to act towards Christ? Uh, that's a question that you have to answer for yourself. It says in verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now to be clear, these relationships and the authority or responsibilities they, that they carry have nothing to do with worth. Do you hear me? These relationships, this authority, these roles, and whose umbrella is bigger than whose has nothing to do with worth. Man is not ahead of his wife because he's worth more and she's worth less. Have you met my wife? Seriously, how could you think this? This is not the way it is. Wives are not to be subject to their husbands because somehow they're worth less than their husbands are. Now, I hope you're still with me that you didn't shut me off at wives submit to their husbands because it's not like husbands get off scot-free here. They actually get a longer paragraph because I think that uh, they, well, we need a little more instruction, that's all. Look at verse 25. I've, I realize I'm leaving a lot of meat on the bone here, so study this for yourself as well. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Piece of cake. My wife is lovely. It's easy. <clears throat> Let's keep reading. Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now I don't know about you, but I hear the love of Christ in those words. I hear how Christ feels about his church. I too often it's just cold but Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave and I'm saved from my sins and I have to apologize every time I sin and, and it just, it's just kind of cold and empty we don't think about how Jesus feel about you how he feel about me but here it is in these words just how much he really does love us 
Uh, not just uh, not just the the cold choice to prefer another above yourself. Yes, does Jesus do that? Yes. But here's his heart. Here, I think it's beautiful. So we got the three umbrellas, right? The big umbrella is the Lord Jesus Christ. The second umbrella is the husband, and the third umbrella is the wife. And there are more umbrellas. We talk about those in the next couple of weeks. We just work with these three. So the husband's responsibility is to love his wife. Now, I think uh, husbands get off easy there. You know me well enough. I'm going to set you up. Oh, sure. Yeah, piece of cake. Well, if you do feel that way, even though you're smart enough to not make any noise when I ask the question, If you do feel that way, maybe it's because you haven't been here long enough to understand the definition of the word love. What do we think of when we think of love? Go to Walmart. You'll see it there in the aisles. It's all red and pink, right? With flowers and candies and hearts and roses. That's love, isn't it? That's what Valentine's does. Celebrate love. No, it's not. It's celebrate another way to separate people from their money. That's not love at all. The word translated love is the Greek word agape. It may sound familiar. It doesn't mean affection. It doesn't mean hearts and flowers and Valentine's Day and chocolates and candies. It is the conscious choice to prefer another above yourself. And Paul proves that the words, the in the words that follow the command for husbands to love their wives. He proves that love is more than just what we feel. He says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. I have to admit, I got an argument on Facebook this week. I don't ever do this. It's no po- politics either. Some, some dope wrote uh, this thing. It says uh, um, uh, a, a woman has to tell her man that he's handsome every day how can any woman expect to be treated like a queen if she treats her man like a servant I want to climb right through the computer and dope slap that guy are you kidding me this is ridiculous love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her what did Jesus do? He died on a cross. He separated himself from good. He had been in t- eternally in the presence of the Father and willingly laid aside his goodhood to come down here and live like us and be born in a stable or a cave or whatever, in a barn, in a hay. Now, that might be fun for you, but it wasn't for him. Jesus gave up his place 
humbled himself, born in a stable, was persecuted and crucified, that we might be saved, sanctified, cleansed, and presented to himself as a glorious and perfect bride. That's how Christ loved the church. Husbands, love your wives that way. Your life is not your own anymore. Husbands, it's not yours. Wives, your, wife, your life is not yours either. That's why he says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. One flesh. It's got nothing to do with sex. One flesh means you don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to your spouse, just as a church belongs to Christ. Christ gave himself up for the church, and that's how husbands are to love their wives, not expect compliments so that he can treat her nice. To prefer them over himself, to, stump, to humble himself, and to do whatever it takes to protect her and provide for her. That's what Christ did for the church, and that's what husbands are to do for their wives. You think there's more to this than cooking and cleaning? I think so. The marriage relationship of believers is a mirror of the relationship between Christ and his church. Jesus prayed for us. Do you know that Jesus prayed for you? It's recorded in the Gospel of John in chapter 17. He prayed for us like this in his high priestly prayer. John 17, 20 to 24. He says, I do not ask for these only, meaning the disciples there, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that's you, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you send me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Jesus, I desire here is for the church to be one flesh with him, united in purpose and desire, that we may all be one. Now, how do you do that without submission and love? How can we expect to be one with our spouse without submission and love? How can we expect to be one with Christ, one with his church, without submission and love? You can't do it. You're just attending an event on Sunday morning and going home unchanged. You may be encouraged by the rah-rah sermon and dump Gatorade over Pastor Head, but you're not one without submission and love. Submission and love are the keys to oneness. Not just oneness with our spouses, but oneness with the church and with Christ. The churches, as Genesis 2.23 put it, 
bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. That's how the first man spoke of his wife. Verse 31 of chapter 5 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Uh, this is the punchline, folks. It turns out Paul's been talking about the church all along. So I hope that those of you are, who are single for one reason or another haven't been feeling left out. This has been about you the whole time. The oneness of Christ and his church, like the oneness of a husband and wife, is a profound mystery. It's something revealed before in ages past. John Calvin said this, he says, For my own part, I am overwhelmed by the depth of this mystery, and I am not ashamed to join Paul in acknowledging at once my ignorance and my admiration. How much more satisfactory would this be than to follow my carnal judgment in undervaluing what Paul declares to be a deep mystery? Reason itself teaches how we ought to act in such matters. For whatever is supernatural is clearly beyond our own comprehension. Let us therefore labor more to feel Christ living in us than to discover the nature of that intersection. We don't understand oneness with Christ. We don't fully understand oneness with our spouse. Oneness with Christ like oneness in marriage is a great mystery, but that doesn't mean that we should ignore it or write it off as too difficult for us to understand. We should instead appreciate it for what it is and do all that we can to preserve it through love and respect of our Savior and our spouses. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the instructions you've given to us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, um, to measure our relationships in light of the truth of your word this morning. Lord, there is a, is we all have a lot to learn about relating to our spouses, relating to the church, and relating to you. I thank you, Lord, that your word does not leave us wondering what we ought to do, but your instructions are very clear. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, whether we're married or not. But as part of your family, part of your body, having been washed with water through the word, that our sins have been forgiven. And we know about you because we have your word here. We thank you, Lord, for it. We thank you for your instruction. I pray that it would not fall on hard hearts and deaf ears, but that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.